Get out the power vacuum for the Mountain Dew stains and Cheeto dust on the red carpet because it's time for gaming's biggest night. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we talk about the Game Awards. Which deserves Game of the Year, Elden Ring or The Case of the Golden Idol? An impossible decision, since one of those games wasn't nominated. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello. 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 Hi. It's us. It's We're December. Oh my gosh. It's the Whoa, end of the year. It is December. We're almost at the it end is. of the year. That's crazy. Thank goodness. It's, <laughs> Thank it's goodness. almost way, time <laughs> for gaming's biggest night. And <laughs> I, I know I can't wait. Can't wait to see those looks on the red we carpet. Can't wait for gaming's biggest night. You know, I I do enjoy it every year, even somewhat ironically. But you know what else I really enjoy is uh, the television show Andor. Mm, me too. I really liked it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that show. If only there was a place where people could listen to us talk right. about the television show. That's Andor. true. That's that right. Be great. For example, a place where we could just fully spill the beans about every mm. single thing that happened in it, really get into it, really dissect mm-hmm. it. You know, I think I think we should record some type of bonus episode for it for the month of okay. December. And you know why okay. I think that I'm is because it. we've been doing that every single <laughs> month since we started this show on Max Fun, the Max Fun Network. And if you, the listener, were to go to maximumfun.org slash join, you could become a member and then you would have this huge backlog of every monthly bonus episode that we've ever recorded which is like a lot of episodes like we did a god of war ragnarok episode last last month but but this upcoming month we're doing one on the television show andor about cassie and andor from star wars good old cassie and andor really we're gonna just talk about nemec for the entire time but <laughs> we're not but gonna Cassian's talk about cool dr Forehands, Quadpaw, whatever his name is. We could talk about Quadpaw too, but I just want to read all of the available excerpts from Nimic's manifesto. That's what we will be doing on I this know. bonus episode. It's going to be great. But they have a fight on their hands, don't they? Our elemental rights are such a simple thing to hold, they will have to shake the galaxy awfully hard to loosen our grip. Oh. Love that kid. Anyway, we're going to talk about Andor. So MaximumFun.org slash join. Become a member. Support our wonderful show, yeah. which doesn't have any ads. And listen to us spill the beans about various things that we like. Mm-hmm. We also just did a big God of War spoiler yeah. cast, which is really fun. Yes. And you can listen yes. to that true. right now if you become a member or if you already are a member. Instantly. Immediately. Instantly. As soon as yeah. you become Instant a member, you can, you can immediately get access to all those episodes. They're right there. They're waiting for you. It is behind true. the gossamer. You press curtain. the subscribe button, and then all three of us just comes out of whatever speakers or headphones right. you are listening on. We all mispronounce Jormungandr at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Jormungandr, Jorgenmeister, and then I just insistently say the World Serpent as though that's going to help yes, you guys. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, that was a great app. Anyway, we're in this episode right now, this one, and we're going to talk we about are. gaming's biggest night. We are. I was I was just the looking. Keelys. Do they really call it? Do they really call it gaming's biggest night? Of course night? not. No, I call <laughs> okay. it. I mean, that. if by you they you mean it. Maddie Myers, yeah, then yes, I do, okay. and I'm trying to get it started. Maddie, it's, it's I, I really thought that was like their sla- their slogan. No, or whatever. Jason, like it is the slogan of the Oscars: movies biggest. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. That's the joke. But thanks That's for asking me to explain it. <laughs> so on that, on this topic, what do you think was gaming's biggest night of the year 2022? Hmm. 
Probably, night, probably when Elden Ring came Elden out. Elden Ring came out. That's what I was about to say. The night, the Elden, night Ring Elden Ring came out. Yeah. That was going to be my guess, too. That's probably the easiest answer, right? Yeah. That was a pretty cool night. I guess, I bet Twitch could probably tell you that. Just on, You could go by viewer statistics mm. or something like that, maybe, to oh. try to answer that question. Well, you could go by our podcast statistics, and based on that, <laughs> right. yeah, that Ring. That's pretty undeniable that Elden <laughs> Ring is the night that that came out. Um, speaking of Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's finally talk about Elden Ring, because we haven't finally, gotten to yes. it. Okay, ever. so we are actually, a little, little bit of meta info here, we're actually recording this a week early, because I am heading off to Los Angeles to go to the Game Awards, to Gaming's Biggest Night next yes. week. Although Jason is nominated for Content Creator of the Year. <laughs> and who are you going to be wearing, so much Jason? Um, I'm true. going to be wearing the traditional video game journalist garb of jeans and a blazer. Uh, yeah, jeans a and a blazer. blazer. Jeans, Classic. a button down, and a blazer. That's what I will Thank be goodness. wearing for most of the week. These are uh, Levi says, Strauss. Well, <laughs> I feel like what I like about that look is it says, I tried, but not too hard. It says, uh-huh. like, I'm not a schlubby, like, I'm not wearing a sweatshirt to this like big did game laundry. award event. I did my laundry. I'm not going out there in shorts and a hoodie, John Fetterman style, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to wear a suit because, like, come on, what kind of nerd? Yeah, you're not some kind of shill. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not. You're, I'm not you're a, a cool, a suit. casual gamer. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, so we're recording this early. I'm going out to LA next week. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Can talk a little bit in a bit about the experience of being there, which is intense. Um, I might, I, I've actually been considering just like watching it from my hotel room, which gives right. me the same effect. <laughs> Not um, going have you ever been the in theater? a theater with blaring advertisements for 90 minutes? Well, the appeal of going is yeah, really like just choosing afterwards at the JW course, Marriott. Like I talked about this last year afterwards. Yes, this is- but it was like you look to your left and it's Reggie fils and then you look to your right and it's Phil Spencer and then all around you are just like people that are interesting that you can talk to and try to get some uh, interesting gossip out of for future reporting, at least if, if you're you me. In front of you, Sonic the Hedgehog. Behind <laughs> you, Sonic was there. There's man. Luigi. Um, <laughs> Holy shit, it's Luigi. He's staring at me. He's giving me a, a dirty look. I got the biggest <laughs> scoop from Sephiroth <laughs> last time I went. Uh, he was like, yeah. Cloud Strike. He was like, there's uh, a meteor. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anyone. Yes. This yes. can all go on as long as you guys want, but the meteor mm-hmm. will be striking as soon as the event is over. Um, so if anything we say is a little bit out of date or like stuff has been announced, it's because we're recording this a week early. So like if mm-hmm. if suddenly there are big Keeley teases for things. Like if Luigi dies, then we right. didn't if know Luigi, about it at this if time. If Luigi dies, dies again. It dies again a second time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, both Mario and Luigi have died multiple times. Mario was killed mm-hmm. by Sephiroth. Luigi was killed I don't even remember what was it by, by existential dread. I, I think, think he was yeah. scared to death. Yeah, he was yes, scared by to a death. Ghost. Very strange, very strange experience. Anyway, the what Game Awards. So, for people who don't know, the Game Awards <laughs> are kind of this annual video game award extravaganza, and they're really the reason that people care about them is not because of the awards. They are half awards show and half like hype fest for the Wouldn't coming years. That was a broad statement. <laughs> Some people care about the awards, but yes, they are well known and well uh, observed for the trailers. Mm-hmm. I would say they would get a fraction of their audience if it was only awards. No, yes, people. But when you say in. no one watches for the awards, people okay. only care. Okay, about Kirk, I'm, just, yes. I'm just pushing back on a on a patented Schreier overstatement. Yes. Okay, other than the parents of the people who were nominated for awards. <laughs> well, exactly, I and that's quite a few parents. Because the awards are rushed through every year. They it's are really just funny. blasted through so that so that Jeff can get to those those sweet, sweet trailers. Sweet, those sweet exclusive, exclusive reveals. 
So it's basically like, like E3 in Very December. Exciting. It's kind of like balancing out the year with a bunch of like, here's what's coming next, hype reveals and announcements and stuff. And we can talk a little bit about that. Um, so really the show is kind of like interspersed with, it's like a mix of that and then the actual awards. And then for some reason, because Jeff Keighley, the guy in charge, the, the video game industry's hype man who we've been we've been talking about here, um, because he loves live music, he always sticks in like four band performances for no reason. And part of what makes it excruciating is just how, how it's long for it no is. reason for the reason that the performances are the best part of the whole show man. well like introduce no, Green Day and be like I love Green Day and that's why we're all getting what about Green Day remember like the Cuphead no, singers no 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 Kirk that's not what I'm talking orchestra. about Kirk that's not no that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about random bands it's like he announced some I'll, I'll look up exactly what he said was already well like up. Imagine Dragons but yes yeah, so Imagine year. Dragons or sick awesome like, <laughs> love Imagine Dragons yes or Green Day is randomly there. They play um, the song from Arcane. Yeah. Well, I mean, Imagine Dragons had a reason Green to be Day? There. That's going to be fun to watch Green Day. I don't know. I'd rather watch Green Day than another ad for another game that's coming out next Green Day year. is not there. This is not a thing. No. He, so Green uh, Day is there is what you're telling me? Hozier. I think they were Green there Day last there. year. Who is Hozier? Green Day was there last year. Hozier is there. I don't know now where Hozier I'm is. Yeah, they're a band. So I guess yeah, I will band. just... I will say then to to just be clear that I want to support Jeff Keighley's overall love of music because I think that is also the thing that causes him to always have a large studio orchestra and a bunch mm-hmm. of cool instruments and performances. And that, to me, that's the reason I tune in. Green Day was there in 2019, which says a lot about my perception of time, that I thought mm-hmm. that was, quote unquote, last year. My apologies. But so in a way, 2019 was. was last year, if you really <laughs> Kirk, think about it. I, I think what you're, what you miss out by not being there, quote unquote, miss out. <laughs> is how excruciatingly long the whole thing is. And even at home, it can be just a slog to yeah. get through. And one I'm of the reasons for that... Say, covering it from home, I'm not missing out on how long it is. I know <laughs> well, exactly but I think it it's feels quite long longer. When you watch the stream, it feels yeah. longer when you have to sit there and like the, yeah. the commercials instead of being able to mute the commercials. Because they're commercials for games in the middle right. of all the commercials for games. And instead of just being able to mute them, you have to they're just like like in your ears yeah. the whole time. I, I can and it's just get like, up, I can get mm-hmm. a drink of water, go You're hungry the whole kiss because she's going to bed and I'm staying up for several more hours. Right. You Nothing know. I'm saying is about <laughs> the length of the show. I'm I'm simply saying that when I am watching and a musical performance comes on it tends to be one of the cooler things about the show and hopefully there will be some cool ones this year as well. I agree and hearing the orchestral versions of video game songs, still pretty freaking great pretty in cool. any yeah, context in which nice. that appears. I enjoy it. Yes. So, the the there are kind of two reasons to tune in I suppose three reasons if you count the music but the main reasons yeah, people go. tune in are for the awards themselves to find out who won game of the year which is kind of like uh, I guess considered among the industry, that's considered the game of the year award at this point. Like this yeah. is considered the kind of like uh, a big award show, like winning um, best picture at the Academy Award. Even exactly. though there are other best picture awards that you could win, except it's nothing like winning best picture at the Academy Awards at all because this well institution is so completely different from the academy but i think in the industry that it is sort of agreed upon that if you win game of the year at the game awards that is the closest thing to winning game of the year it, in the it, same way that the academy awards are kind of the closest thing to winning best picture that is true but i also it is the closest thing and yet it is still so far from yes it is still very different what yes. the oscars actually does as an institution. In, in 
Yeah. One of the many ways that the games industry is very, very different yes. from the yes. movie Yes, that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yes. It's funny because even when you look at the Oscars, you're kind of like, whoa, how did that win Best Picture? That How did right. Crash win Best Picture? The same way you might look at the Game Awards and be like, whoa, It Takes Two won Game of the Year last year? That's strange. But anyway, mm-hmm. so there's that, and then there's the new reveals, and we can kind of talk about both stuff. First, let, let's start by talking about what we want to see from the new reveals, what we expect to see, what we're hoping to see, what we have heard the buzz we've heard um what has been teased uh typically there's like a mix of um updates for ongoing games like among us i think they're teasing that they're going to be there and then like big new explosive reveals last year's game awards they announced uh a wonder woman game uh that's 40 years away and they announced star wars (laughs) eclipse from quantic dream so we'll probably see some other some others of those like those sorts of teasers and then we're going to see some updates on games that we already know exist so for example final fantasy 16 they're gonna be uh doing a whole perform a whole showcase there probably will announce a release date for that game which is exciting um diablo 4 the blizzard has been teasing that they're going to be there um and all sorts of other stuff uh what do you guys uh maddie i'll start with you what do you want to see what are you expecting to see what are you hoping to see oof i mean i guess I have nothing I'm hoping to see because all I ever want in nothing life is Metroid news. That's all I ever want. You, what you about Elden Ring DLC? Okay, you're right. That That's true. Okay. Leading question, Your Honor. This is no, a leading question. you're right. You're right. I, I was feeling sad for myself because I, I feel like mm-hmm. as a Metroid fan, after Metroid Dread, I'm, I'm like, I guess I'll just never get anything again. It's all over now. <laughs> um, but you're right. It's not over. Elden Ring DLC. It's that's I have something to live for. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> nice big <laughs> chunk of Elden to Ring to jump into. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe we'll find out. I have no rumors, Jason. I have no inside info. So here's just wild speculations. I'd love to find out more about the Assassin's Creed game that people keep also similarly wildly speculating will be a return to form and that means whatever the person saying that sentence wants it to mean whichever part of the assassin's creed backlog they like the most they believe that that is what the next assassin's creed will be i'd love to see more information about that uh mm. but mirage, beyond that assassin's I have, creed yeah, mirage. mirage yeah i think uh, I mean, I've heard about that game. It's a return to form in the sense that it's more of a stealth game than an RPG, like newer games are. But can you push people around in a crowd or not? Mm, and and sure are there you dots can. on a map? I'm sure not? there are. Um, it's all in one city, like some of the older games. So that's, I think, part of this. The... Is this is like a developer interview, Maddie? Keep asking questions. <laughs> yeah, right. Are there points of interest, Jason? What <laughs> shape are the dots? Are they different colors? Is there a hidden blade? Or do you level up, but you um, only level up like one percent of each kind of ability, so it doesn't really matter? Or is it like a real? Are there dialogue up? options and branching dialogue? Mm. Kirk, what Good do you want to see from? Jason, the you didn't game answer words. any of our questions. <laughs> what do you expect <laughs> to see from the game awards? I don't know. It'd be cool to see Elden Ring. I, the trailer is all exhaust me even when they wind up being for games that I really like I, yeah. I kind of tune them out at this point because they all operate at a sort of audiovisual frequency that I'm just increasingly deaf to it's just that certain thing I don't know 
looking at the game, hearing the game. What if it's all Trombone Champ DLC, though, Kirk? Would that be <laughs> exciting for you? If they have an ad for Trombone Champ DLC, I'll be very excited. I was thinking about that, Kirk, that, that sort of that point you just made, because I wonder if game companies nowadays are like, okay, so the benefit of being there is that you get exposed to millions and millions of people who are all watching this one thing at, its, at the same time. You trend on Twitter. You're like part of this big cultural moment. The downside, and I think it's a pretty big downside, is you get lost among the crowd and like the next week is anyone going to remember that you announced your game at the game awards like does anybody remember that there was a wonder woman game honestly last i year didn't the game until you said it three no minutes nobody ago. right yep, so same. so uh yeah i don't know there are pros and cons to that approach yeah i mean this is all sort of like marketing punditry which is just something i don't really understand like i don't know who it benefits to be there more than it would benefit them to do something on their own mm-hmm. i'd love to see silk song i mean i just hope springs right. eternal that a release date for silk song will happen at one of these things because at some point it has to right it has to eventually come out so maybe maybe this will be the night yeah if it's not then it's probably not this year right like uh there's no other opportunities in december they're not gonna be like christmas day surprise (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah an elden ring dlc are you hoping for that Oh yeah, I mean that's that's the, that's the thing I'm most excited to play, and I will get hype when they show more Elden Ring, just mm. because that's exciting. But the seeing it, the actual trailer isn't the thing I want, right? I want the game, I want the DLC, I want to be playing Elden mm-hmm. Ring again. You want it to be available? Yeah, now. I see that. I mean, what's exciting about it is getting the date, and let's be like, okay, now I can mark this on my calendar. Now I can yeah, look ahead. Just and getting to share to the this. excitement with everybody on yeah, Discord or that's whatever. Kind of yeah, fun. for sure, mm-hmm. that'll um, be great. Yeah. So okay, so. I think that there's going to be a good chance that in this period next year from like May through, I don't know, September or May through August or something, that we're going to have the following things. Breath of the Wild 2, Final Fantasy Mm -hmm. 16, Diablo Mm -hmm. 4, and Baldur's Mm -hmm. Gate 3, which might actually kill me. I think that might (laughs) actually just lead to my death if all of those Mm. games come out around the same time. Um, Wow. I also think there's a good chance of Elden Ring DLC. I think we're going to see the new Star Wars uh, game, the Jedi Fallen Order sequel. Um, rumor floating around the internet is that that is coming out in March um, and is going to get a very quick like announcement to release date, period. Which means that, yeah, uh, next year is going to be full of a lot of cool stuff and we're probably going to start to see some hints of that at the Game Awards. It feels like we might be heading into a period of like the post-COVID delay uh, release slate where all the games that were delayed because of COVID are finally coming out, all the games that were delayed because of next-gen transitional issues are finally coming out, and maybe we'll start to see the fruition of that at the Game Awards. And I don't know, I I, I, I hear you guys and not being into the hype or the marketing or whatever, but um, after, especially after a year like this that felt pretty thin when it came to the big game releases, I would like to see some interesting stuff. I would like to have some stuff to write about. I would like some interesting stories to tell. Um, with some of these games, I mean, I'm like, don't care as much about the games as much as I do about the stories behind them. So I don't know. I'm into it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have, uh, despite yeah, the, the accostment of the senses, the accosting of the senses. I don't that know is if I agree that this year didn't have that many games, though. They were just coming out at really odd times, which mm. definitely made the year feel different. Like well, the fact big that games, we had big two AAA huge, releases. I, we didn't we didn't really talk about them, but there were two huge open world Pokemon games in one year this past year. Mm-hmm. It's just that none of us is super into Pokemon, so we refuse to acknowledge those games, and we never will. <laughs> we talk and, about them. and I mean, uh, to have Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok and a Horizon sequel 
and Dying Light 2, which didn't really get any nominations, but like that's a bunch of huge, big ticket open world games. I mean, mm-hmm. those are things that we all enjoyed playing. And I already know that Breath of the Wild 2 is coming out next year. So that's already been something that I'm looking forward to. So it's not like I'm looking to the Game Awards this year to, to give me that release date. I know it's coming. So it is kind of a weird spot where I'm like not entirely sure what the big reveal would be at the Game Awards. It's not mm. like years past where we've been like, oh my God, Elden Ring trailer? Are they going to finally tell us anything? This year, I'm, I don't think there is something like that, at least for me, where I'm, where I'm looking to Jeff Keighley to reveal something to me that I'm mm. desperate to hear about. Yeah, I mean, there are a few things we could see. Sony doesn't really have much announced for the next couple of years other than like Spider-Man 2, right? Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Microsoft could always come out and be like, hey, here's this game that we announced five years and then disappeared for, which is like all of the games <laughs> that they announced <laughs> like in like yeah. 20, 2018. Um, Nintendo can always just come out and, and show something cool. They could show Metroid Prime 4 or something like that. And, and Maddie would, would have herself that would a night. That really <laughs> surprise me. I, um, I mean, I guess that could happen. There are some, there's some like heavy hitters in the works behind the scenes. We could, I don't think we'll see a new Bioshock because I think that's still a ways away, but that's in, in development. Um, could see Ken Levine's new game could come out of nowhere and blow us all away. Sure. Um, sure. Could see, I don't know, GTA 6. We're not going to see GTA 6. That perfect dark reboot that has disappeared and mm-hmm, may never mm-hmm. return again. Exactly. New Tomb Raider. I think that's that's going to be around at some point. Anyway, enough of the speculation. Let's talk about the nominees because this is, after all, an awards show. Um, we can kind of go through some of the ones that stood out to us. We've all been kind of flipping through them. But uh, first and foremost, let's talk about Game of the Year. So Game of the, Weir- Game of the Year nominees are... A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. What, what do you two make of uh, of this list of Game of the Year nominees? These are so weird. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I understand why Elden Ring is there. I also understand do why you? God of do War Ragnarok is there. And then after that, I start being like, this is, the Game Awards are very unusual. They're just an unusual show. And some of well, that so is Maddie, because so that's of the diversity a- of publications who are asked to weigh in. And some of it is because there's also fan voting. That's a piece of it. So you end up with very weird collections of games. Well, fans don't nominate. It's only, Right, that's uh, correct. Well, only okay, publications. So, so I think that speaks to the point I made earlier about this being, being kind of a thin year for AAA games. And I think uh, kind of what I've gathered from like analyst conversations and all the numbers about like the the sales, like sales have gone way down this year compared to previous years. There's some right. crazy stuff, like down 10% or, or something year over year. And the, the general consensus is that there's been very few big games this year compared to other years. And I actually think this game of the year nominees list kind of reflects that because usually the game of the year at the tri- at the, the the game awards is like one of the big blockbuster single player action adventure games that we tend to get a lot of every single year right mm-hmm. which is why it takes two one last year well <laughs> and most years last year was a weird year we all know that um mm-hmm. 
But yeah, but but that's why like seeing yeah, Elden Ring makes sense, God of War makes sense, Horizon also makes sense, but the rest of them don't really make sense. I think we're kind of missing some games that could potentially fill in there. And if you look at all the games that have been delayed out of this year, like Starfield or Breath of the Wild Two or a lot of other things, those could have potentially been been fits for that um, mm-hmm. for for this category. And so instead, we're getting kind of oddball choices like Stray and Plague Tale and Xenoblade Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a sort of a like polish level, budget level to all of these games that just is a is always been a weird distinction for me between this and the best indie category. Yeah, you have Stray in both, so that implies that there isn't a hard distinction between best indie and game of the year. But still, you look at this list and it is all games with pretty beautiful visuals. I mean, that's kind of the thing they all have in common. I know Stray was a smaller team. But it still looks like a triple A game. And then a Plague Tale Requiem, great game from what I've played of it, and I really like it. That's a really polished and beautiful looking game. And then there's nothing on I mean, there are other games that come to mind. Um, Vampire Survivors, that got a nomination somewhere, but that's like definitely a game that's going to be in the conversation among people who play games as game of the year, things like Rogue Legacy 2. Also, Wordle didn't really turn up here. And I think that could have been a really interesting entry and I've I've been assuming that Wordle was going to turn up on a lot of lists at the end of the year which I imagine it would it's one of the most talked about games of the year certainly it's one of the games that I played the most even though I stopped playing it a little while ago I still play it sometimes I don't think it's considered a game by the game awards standards well and that kind of gets into this odd uh, categorization like challenge that this award show runs into where there are a lot of categories, like a whole lot of categories if you look at them, and then there are kind of unspoken rules about who gets nominated for which category, mm-hmm. and those rules exist, but they're kind of fungible, and like I said, they're unspoken, and there are so many different people nominating that it it makes it even more vague, but the rules do exist. Like, there is something similar across all of these Game of the Year nominees that uh that is it's a little intangible but it's there yeah and there are they are unspoken rules for what it's worth polygon does yeah. vote and you two remember when kotaku voted so you remember that it really is you can just submit the games that you mm-hmm. want in each category and nobody tells you what action slash adventure game means jeff doesn't have a rubric that he sends out being like okay so here's here's what it needs to have to, to qualify as action slash adventure and here's a different set of criteria that that is for the best rpg category that would be really weird if he did that but in some ways it might be useful because as it is mm-hmm. we are in a world where the best fighting game category includes sifu which is not a fighting game <laughs> it's a game with fighting <laughs> it is a game that has fighting in it yeah. but it is not a fighting game, and I, I have a suspicion, although I have no way to confirm this, but I believe that Sifu is listed there because if you Google Fighting Games 2022, Sifu comes up, <laughs> and I think that uh, some editors somewhere, I don't know where, not Polygon, I can promise that much, may have done that Google search and, and just filled in some some games that they remember hearing good buzz about, and they may not have been aware Sifu actually is not a fighting game. I remember how much the one time we did this, like 2014 or 2015, I remember how much we struggled to fill in some of the categories. Yeah. Or like only one person would be able to vote on some of the categories. So right. yes, it's, it's kind of a haphazard process. It's tough. I will say, um, I don't know, I, I always get a little bit miffed at some of the snubs every year. This year specifically, I think the case of the Golden Idol, the only reason that it's not 
somewhere nominated somewhere best indie best narrative whatever is because not enough people played it and i always think that's a shame when just like a game goes under the radar a little too much i think the timing didn't work out for what it's worth because i know the nominations for the game awards happen like a while before the voting level happens i well the game came out october uh oh yeah fair enough when were the nominees november I don't know. I, that's yeah. I think it's just uh, uh, maybe not yeah. enough people had played it. In maybe time. there wasn't enough word of mouth. Yeah. No, but I still think not enough people have played it. It's just because like it looks um, the art style as we talked about last year is a little uh, last week is a little off putting, and so um, I think not a lot of people were even have given it a chance. And I think if mm-hmm. they did, it would really uh, really blow people away. So yeah, that's that's a bit of a snub that I was a little little irked irked by does seem like that best narrative or something. There's no best design category, which I think could open the door to a slightly different kind of a game getting recognized in a way that would make sense. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I mean, it's every time I look at these categories, that's always my first thought is that they've made their job very difficult because of the types of categories that they're picking, because they're not exactly, well, they are kind of genre categories and genre is impossible. Like if you write about things, music, games, whatever on the internet or talk about them, you quickly run into genre. It's just the first thing every time because there is no clear way to say, well, this is action adventure. It's not, you know, action or you know, this is jazz. It's not pop. It's it's the same thing in any in any art form, and that's why uh, the stronger awards that are easier to talk about and consider tend to move tend to not mess with that. Like that, the Academy Awards they're not doing best action movie, best comedy, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And any time an awards show does go into that realm, it feels really weird. Like the Emmys, don't they do that? Or the Golden Globes, maybe? They have like best comedy and then best drama. And it's always a little like, well, but this comedy movie made me cry or this drama was funny. So Mm -hmm. what exactly? Like it always feels weird because it's subjective. Right. Yeah. Because genre is bullshit. And in this case, Game of the Year is just Game of the Year, where then Indie Game of the Year, it's like, wait, what? And then Best Action Game, it's like, hang on, but weren't all the Games of the Year action games? So it's a way to recognize a lot of different games, but it muddies the water, and so many of the categories are doing that in with a good goal to recognize more games and to to include more things, but it does kind of leave me feeling a little bit at sea when I'm actually trying to decide what I think deserved to be there or didn't deserve to be there or what should win. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it speaks to the problem with video that video games have, which is that there's so many different ways to be a video game from Overwatch 2 to Wordle that it's like it's almost yeah. bad terminology that we just refer to them all as games. Like it's just well, too yeah. all-encompassing. Or you could go the other direction where you're specifically recognizing, you know, you get more specific about it. That's why something like Best Design... Uh-huh. That winds up being an interesting conversation because you can argue about the design of Citizen Sleeper versus the design of God right. of War Ragnarok. They're different, but you're you're comparing a thing that feels like for like instead of just saying, you know, well, this one was indie and this one is big budget. So they're just in different categories or something. But that's only the case with some stuff, right? Like you could also say best score, but not every game is at Wordle doesn't have a score or music. Wordle mm-hmm. doesn't have a narrative um, or even or I don't know if you want to talk about like best 
uh, I don't know, best performance. I think that's, uh, oh no, sorry, that's not, that's a. Uh, well, Wordle <laughs> doesn't have actors in it, so. But yeah, like, or any, any of these kind of categories. Well, so what's interesting about it, comparing it, one of the reasons you can't really compare this to the Academy Awards is because every single movie has a script. Every single movie has, uh, uh, like, a best, like, an actor that can be nominated. It, it, cinematography, whatever. Like, you can kind of compare them all. Whereas with games, you can't really. Like, it's very, very difficult to make uh like uh draw distinctions between i don't know multiverses and like god of war ragnarok right like it's yeah i mean it's all kind of subjective there's i think they could have more fun with the categories best mm. single button interaction like there could be <laughs> and i'm serious yes. what a fun award that would be right that would be cool um, that would yes 100 percent. if if we did triple click awards i think we would make unique ones like that where like we should uh, do that it's just a lot more fun than than friggin' action adventure whatever that means but because this is trying to be as mainstream as possible. And also, I mean, I'm sure there's an element of like uh, the award show organizers wanting to uh, like bring in as many games as possible, maintain relationships yeah, with as many course. companies as possible and make sure that they all have a chance to be nominated for some of this stuff. So I'm sure that's a, a reason for all the categories as well. Mm-hmm. It does it does get tricky with this next one too, best game direction, which every year I'm always like, Well, I don't really yeah. know how it's good never a job the director what that did. Means. <laughs> For one. Like the person with the title director doesn't necessarily have the same job at each studio, for one. Right. And it doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. a useless award. It's kind of like we can kind of mean most coherent from start to finish. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind mean... of how I interpret it is like the game that cohered and all of it felt like it contributed to that message or that theme. Mm -hmm. But there's such a huge difference between something like Immortality, which is nominated here and which has a very small team and which I think Sam Barlow, who works on that team, would feel fairly confident describing himself as the director of that game. I think that's how he's described himself in interviews. Especially because that game is... A so much like a movie, but right on, yeah. as compared to Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West, which are all such huge games. And I'm sure everyone would be like, Well, Maddie, of course, Miyazaki directed Elden Ring, but it, you know what I'm saying? It's such yeah. a, a completely different conversation to consider a director's role in delegating to hundreds of people versus to three people or two people. It's not, I'm not saying it's easier or harder, it's simply really different. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I have a few categories that I want to throw into the ring that I think are interesting. I, I tend to think that these more specific categories, best score in music, best art direction, those are pretty clear cut. Yep. I like those because you can just look at them and, and, and talk about them. There are a few I think are interesting for specific reasons. First, best performance. Mm. This is for two reasons. First of all, three performances that I really liked in games that I played, Christopher Judge in God of War, Ashley Birch in Horizon Forbidden West, and Manon Gage, who was the lead in Immortality, mm -hmm. were all nominated and they're all very different performances. It's a tough one for me because Manon Gage is, it's the type of performance you don't see in games very often. It's very edgy and risky in a way. Like she does nudity and sex scenes and death and murder and she's covered in blood and then she's, and like, there's so much characters. stuff. Yes, yeah. she she does a lot of different stuff. She's playing like different versions of the same character and that's fun and it's a live action performance so we're really looking at this person. It kind of stands out. 
But like I said, when we were talking about um, God of War Ragnarok, I guess during the Beans cast, I think Christopher Judge was phenomenal in that game. And like we said, when talking about Horizon Forbidden West, Ashley Birch, again, got to play multiple characters in the same game and did a great job. I mean, she was a real standout in that game. It's a fun, I don't know, it's a fun one to consider. I'm wondering what you think uh, between those three, the two of you. I mean, I, I think Ashley Birch, if I if I had to vote on this personally, I feel like it's Ashley. But I totally take your point about the other performances. And I feel like that's part of what's so cool about this category as compared mm-hmm. to something shorter or something more specific like a TV series. Like games also don't always let you see every facet of an actor's performance. So you might even mm. be biased by which scenes you happen to see with an actor. And that's pretty fascinating compared to awards shows where everyone saw the exact same thing. But yeah, at least with this category, it's something really coherent to vote on. And even if it's a hard decision, it makes sense. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, this one might benefit from maybe being expanded a little bit more. Maybe you get a best, especially as as voice acting becomes more and more like professionalized, more and more like popular, more and more uh, the quality goes up and up every year. Might benefit from splitting it the way that the Oscars do into leading male and leading female and supporting maybe. Uh, I don't know. It would certainly be more interested in that than some of these other categories. Like yeah, I'd love family a supporting. And, Best yeah, sim strategy. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, but yes, that's a good one. I think Christopher Judge will win by a mile, but uh, probably just because yes. of the nature of the awards and the, who votes on them and stuff like that, and also yeah. recency bias, I think plays in. I think yeah, it's, given that Ashley Birch is also in Mythic Quest, like it'd be cool to see her when she's been such an ambassador yeah. for games in a way that I could see her winning for that reason as well. But yeah, it'll probably be one of those two. But who knows? Mm-hmm. There's also with best performance, there is the fact that. You know, there's a performance quality to unvoiced characters, and animation plays a role in performance. And when Christopher Judge or Ashley Birch, in particular, since Minon Gage is playing herself on camera, when one of them wins Best Performance, the animation team, the mocap team, there are a whole lot of people who play a role in that performance. I think that's very interesting. Mm. And you can kind of extrapolate it even farther to look at, I don't know, like a beloved character from maybe Persona. I guess they have voices in Persona. Some visual novel or something where people don't talk. Or how about Case of the Golden Idol? Um, You know, one of our favorite characters from that game. Any of the sort of recurring characters. You could say that is a performance. It's mostly just pantomime. It's freeze-framed faces drawn by their maniac art director. But it it is a performance. (laughs) And I think that's kind of an interesting wrinkle that games can add to the idea of this performance. I just think is really right. And I'm also thinking about how... um, in Bayonetta 3, apparently they changed the dancer who ordinarily provides the the mm. dance moves. And that mm-hmm. is not the same person who does the voice acting or any number of other things that contribute to Bayonetta's entire oeuvre. <laughs> and that was fascinating to me to just hear about that and, and have that be something that some people were complaining about. And we're like, the dance moves are a little different in this game. And I really That's noticed funny. that they changed the dancer and I don't like the moves. <laughs> it's just like, wow, that's something that you don't necessarily notice right away. But once it's pointed out, you're like, huh, yeah, it is a little bit different, isn't it? And all yeah. of that contributes to how you perceive this character. It's sort of like in Jennifer Beals and Flashdance, right, where she had a dancing double and then the dancer didn't get credit. And yes, that, that, I do It's like a version of that, the video game version of that, yeah. which is kind of cool. Um, another category I was thinking about that I just think is kind of cool because the entries are all very different, but they reflect 
cool aspects of video games is best narrative mm-hmm. because Immortality, Elden Ring, and God of War Ragnarok are all nominated. And this is another one where I think it's really, I like this category because best narrative, you can look at Immortality. We talked about this quite a bit last week when we were talking, we talked about two of the three of these games last mm-hmm. week talking about mysteries. Immortality is this mystery where the story in your head that you're assembling is the mystery. And you can really not get the story by the end of it and totally miss the narrative because you didn't solve the mystery or you didn't see everything or kind of do the work or have it hit you in the right way. Where Elden Ring is kind of similar, where the narrative of that game, <laughs> it lives in Vati video, YouTube videos, and <laughs> it's this whole huge elaborate thing. But it's amazing when you look at it and take it on those terms, which are uniquely video gamey. Where the narrative in God of War Ragnarok, I would say, and something that we return to many times in our Beans cast, is a lot of amazing moments, but co- it overall doesn't quite cohere into something that we found that satisfying, even though it has all the trappings of an amazing AAA cinematic story with acting and the mm-hmm. kind of traditional kind of cinematic storytelling. So I think it's actually really interesting that these games are pitted against one another and just to see what the zeitgeist is among voters, what kind of stories they're more into. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a category where I'm I'm sad to not see a case of the Golden Idol and a Citizen yes. Sleeper in there, though. Absolutely. It's cool Agree to see an indie like Immortality in there. I'm just, it, it doesn't make sense to me, especially given that Citizen Sleeper is in so many other categories. I'm not sure why it wasn't nominated here. This feels like its category. Yeah, Citizen Sleeper is nominated for Games for Impact. It's a game yeah, for impact, man. That's one of those meaningless categories. I think I said this last year. Games for Impact is just a real mealy-mouthed category. That's I, a funny I, one. Yeah, it gets, I was a Teenage Exocolonist a nomination, and I've heard Which nothing but good things about that yeah, game. And Citizen Sleeper deserves more awards, but that's a strange award. It just feels like ghettoizing games that are associated with marginalized people. I, I have nothing nice to say about this category. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, no, I, I, get I, that completely. I would much rather see those games get nominated for awards that have titles that you can actually put on your resume and have somebody look at the award and be like, I understand what that is and how you're proud of this. And Games for Impact Mm -hmm. just isn't that. And I feel like it does a disservice as a result of that. Like, put it in best narrative, you know? There's a rhetorical move happening even in the name of the award that I find objectionable that it is not even most impactful game. It is Games for Impact. So it just sounds like a second tier award. Right, and it's like impacting what? Best that, yeah. It's the only one that isn't like of the year or like best. Yeah, like what the hell? It's 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 its own thing. Okay, one more category that I think is interesting is best adaptation, because they're all adaptations that I've watched. And this was a great year for video game adaptations. There was Arcane. This is a new. This is a new category. This is a new one. Just added. Great idea and uh, kind of a good time for this to start happening because it's become the norm for there to actually be good video game adaptations, which did not used to be the case. (laughs) Finally, Um, before it would be like the Assassin's Creed movie duking oh, it out with I don't the know Tomb Raider else. movie with, yeah. uh, with <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the third Tomb Raider movie well what's funny is that the Uncharted movie is on that same tier and that made it in here <laughs> that's the only one that shouldn't be in here and it won't win I feel like this award exists to win. give Arcane the award no it's Arcane is gonna well yeah. Cyberpunk Edge Runners so, might I've be a close, Edge Runners a close second was really based good. on the buzz so I watched Edge Runners and I haven't finished it only because it's pretty grim um, mm. but it is good it's, it's very in line with Cyberpunk 
I've seen a lot of people make the point that it's kind of like the story that they wished Cyberpunk 2077 the game had had, because it's a very similar story of someone who starts with nothing and works their way up, becomes a cyber monster, and it kind of intersects with a lot of the same stuff in the in the city and all of that. It's pretty cool. It's it's not bad, but I do think this is Arcane's to lose, especially given that I kind of heard mixed things about the Cuphead show, and I don't like the Sonic movies that much, though I know a lot of people do. And I did watch Uncharted, and it was bad. It was just a bad movie. So, <laughs> but it's cool. I like I like the idea of that category, just because it again raises interesting questions about what does it mean for something to be a good adaptation. And in the case of Arcane and Edge Runners, they're both adaptations that move away from the game. Arcane, I don't play League of Legends. I like actively kind of push myself away from League of Legends. I don't really like the aesthetic. I don't, I find it intimidating and I'm not into it. I loved that show. It was great. And I didn't know when I was watching it that a bunch of the characters in the show are actually League of Legends characters. I sort of was like, oh, I assume these are made up for the show, but they're not. There's a lot of League of Legends characters there. So that's a cool approach. Edge Runners is very similar. It looks like the game in some ways and feels like it, but it's, it's unique characters. Where Cuphead is like, kind of the actual characters of the game, and you're getting to know them a little too well, I gather. And then Uncharted is the classic, let's just take Uncharted the game and make it into a movie so you're just watching weird, gooey, Uncharted cuts, like cutscenes, basically, like not even <laughs> set pieces. And it takes away the thing that makes it cool, so you're just watching kind of a charmless Indiana Jones ripoff. So it's cool to just look at different types of adaptations. I like mm-hmm. this category a lot. Yeah. Um, Okay, so two more quick things, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break. Um, one is, first of all, if you want to feel really old, look through uh, Content Creator of the Year or Best <laughs> Esports Coach, both of which will make you be like, what? Oh. <laughs> this makes me feel kind of out of touch. It's yeah, true. it makes you feel out of touch. Second of all... Well, Triple Click isn't there. Come on. Yeah, where's Triple Click? <laughs> yeah, why aren't we under creator? Esports Coach? Um, uh, we are the best esports Three coach. grumpy aging games <laughs> journalists or ex-games <laughs> journalists. Um, second, just to end on a note of... like. Like the most hilarious, like the the one category that assures that this will never be taken seriously as an award show, most anticipated game, which is just the silliest thing. The fact that they have an award for the game that people want to play most, um, and that this award snubs. Hollow Knight Silk Song because come on, that's the most anticipated <laughs> game. That's the one. And Resident I'm... Evil Four. I already played that. That game already exists. No, Silk Song. That should be maybe on it's here. not on there because it'll be at the show, and so maybe mm-hmm. it'll be ghost released at the show, so it can't be anticipated mm-hmm. anymore. Um, maybe so... it will, they'll show a trailer at the show, and then people will be so excited for it that the anticipation will grow to the point where it will become nominated and win right that night because of because of the trailer. It, Jeff will pause the show and be like, "You're all going to want to recap." Cast your votes in the most right. anticipated category. I'll allow all of you to boot up right. the, the website again, and then everyone. Right. Things will. have clearly changed in the wake of that trailer <laughs> so, that I just showed for Hollow Knight. Silk so this category started in 2020, um, as far as I can tell, or at least it came back in 20. I don't know if they did it in the past. It came back in 2020, Jason. I looked into this. It it, it has mm. come back and forth. I think oh, 2017 okay. and 18, it was there again, and then in 2019, okay. it went away. I. I also regardless, was regardless, transfixed the, by this and was like, when did most anticipated okay. game get allowed? Point, point being, <laughs> point being um, I tweeted last year about how it was the funniest thing because all of the entries for 2020 most anticipated game were exactly the same as 2021 because all these games right. were just delayed because that's what I happens in the game industry. And then I tweeted, this was last year, December 4th, 2021, looking forward to 2022's most antip- anticipated game winner, the sequel to Zelda Breath of the Wild because, oh, no. because 
it was that was on the 2020 list and the 2021 list. And guess what? It's also here. The list for this includes Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4 Remake, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom, which, which is, is going to win. Undoubtedly. Going to win. As predicted, hilarious. Yeah. Most anticipated game. Congrats to the marketing teams. I would <laughs> I would have more respect for that award if they just called it best marketing. Um, but that I think is just it kind of speaks to the nature of this show. Best marketing or like sequel to the best game. Right. Sequel. <laughs> That's kind best of what sequel. that That's really what that award is. Sequel to a game that sequel the most people Sequel to a really loves. wildly popular Starfield game. and the Harry Potter games are not sequels. So, and Elden That's Ring won it. I know. Elden Ring won it the last two years. So no, I, I'm just saying that Zelda. It's like partly marketing and partly that everyone is just excited for a sequel to Breath of the Wild. So of course it's very anticipated. Right, that's the thing. It's like how you win by like releasing the game of the year in 2017 and then announcing yeah. a sequel. That's how you win this war. Yeah, <laughs> right. People are excited for sequels to great games because they're going to be good. All right, let's take a break. I mean, we'll all be watching this thing tonight, and I'm sure we'll talk about if there's anything exciting to talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about it. In the coming weeks. In the meantime, let's take a break and we'll be back for one more thing. You probably already have a favorite animal. Maybe it's a powerful apex predator like the tiger or a cute and cuddly panda. And those are great. But have you considered something a little more unconventional? Could I perhaps interest you in the Greenland shark, which can live for nearly 400 years? Or maybe the jewel wasp who performs brain surgery on cockroaches to control their minds? On Just the Zoo of Us, we review animals by giving them ratings out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Listen with friends and family of all ages to find your new favorite animal with Just the Zoo of Us on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Hello, I'm a stuffy dowager countess. Travis? I'm judging everybody's manners. Oh, no. Schmanners isn't judgy. It's about teaching you to be your best self and be a little more confident when you enter social situations that you don't understand and maybe also teach you a little bit about history you didn't know or give you interesting things to talk about at parties. Yeah, like the secret life of Emily Post. Or like why wristwatches are the way that they are. We can talk about table manners from the Victorian era. Sure, or what it's like to attend a Regency ball. Yeah. Uh, you can find all that and more if you listen to Schmanners on Maximum Fun or wherever your podcasts come from, I guess. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? And we are back. Kirk, Maddie, let's do one more thing. Maddie, go first. Okay, so I have a recommendation for what I would describe as a podcast but it's on a different app that is called Colin, like mm. C-A-L-L-I-N. Have you two mm -hmm. heard of this? Colin.com no. is a website oh, I where think shows of, about this, it. Yes, of this variety run. Pod. And almost all of them are really unpopular and like six people use the site. And so if you look at the top shows, this show I'm recommending will be there because this is an extremely <laughs> unpopular website, seemingly. <laughs> nice. And this show is hilarious and it's extremely raunchy mm. um so if you're listening with children i'm going to i'm going to try to i'm going to try to describe what this show does without without scandalizing your kids so this show is called the steam room which is a joke about how hot it is and it, the the co-hosts are ben mora and hessa 
Hesse does not reveal her last name anywhere, or at least I can't find it. Mm. Um, and this is this is a gay man and a trans woman, and all they do pretty much is tell dick jokes <laughs> for an hour every okay. week. But it's a call-in Great. show, and. <laughs> Can we they, nominate them for best content creator? Honestly, at the game? <laughs> I love them so much. They're so funny. And nice. like they, okay. So I, I'm going to recommend an episode, which is titled How Many Inches is Enough? Which of course is about exactly what you'd think it would be about. But it's a call-in show and they have sort <laughs> of like a, a rotating Sandwiches. cast of characters who call in and like at, the more you listen, the more you're like, oh, I remember this person and this that person. And mm. it's all of their fans are really, really funny. And they just have no issue at all with just saying wildly offensive things against themselves as queer mm. people. And that is weirdly refreshing to me in a time period when a lot of queer discourse is about how we're all, you know, about to have all of our civil rights stripped away. And there's just something really nice about listening to a show where people repeatedly make fun of the stereotypes about themselves, lean into the stereotypes, and also tell jokes about their dicks for like an hour every week. (laughs) And it's really funny. I I don't know. You really have to like raunchy humor to like it. But if that sounds appealing to you at all, then I would recommend checking it out. It's called The Steam Room. You have to go to callin.com to find it. It's not on any podcast apps. As one does. I don't know why not, but that is the place mm. where you can download episodes to it. It's a delightful nice. show. That's an underground recommendation. Yeah. Call-in. I haven't used it, but I want to check it out now. It's pretty good. Kirk, what is your one more thing? My one more thing winds up being kind of related to our main episode subject, and that is the 67th Academy Awards. Are you saying people should go out and watch the 67th Academy Awards? Yeah, how did you watch Well, that's involved. There's a little bit more to this. What what year is that? What year is the 67th? That happened in 1995, so it's for films from 1994. And this was a year that I gave a shit about the Oscars for the first time. I was, I guess, 15 years old. And I just really cared, and I was really into it. Um, And so I remember it very well. My friend Sam and I were talking, I don't know, about movies and about that. And we decided that we were going to do a movie club, which we've now been doing for a little while. And that's really my one more thing is Mm -hmm. to talk about this and maybe give some listeners out there an idea for something fun they can do. So what we've been doing is watching every movie that was nominated for the 1995 Academy Awards, which were a particularly interesting and varied bunch of films. Um, They include, let me see, I've got our list here. So that was the year that Forrest Gump won Best Picture, Mm. and Pulp Fiction should have won Best Picture, which is how I felt Ah, at the time and still feel now. Um, So it was a big year, but it was also the Shawshank Redemption, um, Mm. Quiz Show and Four Weddings and a Funeral give you some genre variants. Some good movies. Yeah, those are the Best Picture nominations. Or I don't know if Quiz Show is Best Picture, actually. But then you get some much more interesting stuff. This was a cool era for film because, like in Supporting Actress, you get Bullets Over Broadway, Tom and Viv. We watched The Madness of King George, which is a movie I never would have watched. But it's really fun to just watch a movie from 1994. Um, They tend to be made with a lot of, you know, cool cinematic techniques. There wasn't as much of a cinematic monoculture. This is something that has been widely discussed by a lot of people uh, these days about about modern films versus films of the 90s. But you get a lot of cool stuff. We recently watched Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, which I had never seen. Is like, you know, a a very well-known film in the queer canon, not a movie I'd ever seen. Um, It features Hugo Weaving and Guy Pearce, younger Hugo Weaving. He's really great in it. Guy Pearce is really 
great in it too. Anyways, we just watched that. So not to get sidetracked on any of those films, it's a very fun thing to do um, for really, you could probably do it for any year for the Academy Awards. I know there are people who do this for every Academy Awards. So are you watching every movie that was nominated in every category? Yes. Wow. And we've kind of arranged them in order of presentation, which works out pretty well. And then we spread the best picture films out throughout. I believe we put them in the order that they were you know, sort of announced. You know how they all give yes, awards they and then they announce trailer. the Best Picture nominees? Yeah. I believe that's how we did it. So, And it's kind of worked out. I assume Revenge of the Nerds 4, Nerds in Love, was high, was nominated for quite a few. <laughs> it was. And I should say, there are a couple of categories that we that we skipped. I think we didn't do, and there are a few that we didn't do, like Best Documentary, I don't think we're going to do. You could do that. We just kind of, it's already going to take us a long time because we do it kind of once a month and watch two movies. But it's just, there's a lot of stuff. The Client, Little Women, True Lies, Hoop Dreams, Speed. We watched Maverick. That's a terrible movie. I (laughs) used to think it was kind of a fun movie, but no, it's very bad. I thought it was so cool in high school and also rewatched it and was like, oh no. It's barely a movie. It doesn't even, it's so bad. (laughs) We watched The Mask, which I haven't seen in forever. Oh, The Mask. I watched The Mask recently because of God of War. I guess because of of God of War. So anyways, I wanted to suggest this. And really, I mean, anyone out there could do this, could watch this, you know, this year of movies. And I'll probably be talking about them in the Triple Click Discord or something. So, you know, you could kind of watch along. It's not a a bad thing to do. It was a pretty cool year for movies. So that's my one more thing. Oh, The Page Master came out in 94. I remember playing... I think there was a video game based on that game, based mm. on that movie. I don't know. Nice. Um, okay, my one more thing is really depressing. My one more thing is Twitter, as that you guys might have heard, and we haven't really talked about it on the show. Um, no, some thank God. rich guy bought Twitter. <laughs> Who? What? Kirk, I, I know you have, cut, you have cut Twitter out of your life. Maddie, you have a complicated relationship with Twitter. I have, yeah, I have, I, I'm on we and all off do. the wagon. Um, yeah. Twitter. I read a lot of articles about <laughs> Twitter and Elon Musk these days. Though. Well, it's there's hard a lot of to. a lot of interesting a lot of interesting drama. Yeah. So Twitter uh, has been an important part of my life for a long time. It's been an important part of my personal and professional life. Um, I like would not have met many f- good friends without Twitter, including Kirk mm-hmm. Hamilton. Um, I would not have uh, had a lot of the professional success I have had without Twitter. And so uh, it's unfortunate how much it's deteriorating and how quickly. As of right now, the site is still online. It has not had its big mega crash. So in the next week. (laughs) It is getting, I mean, what I suspected would happen is what's happening, which is that it's just slowly getting more and more unpleasant. And part of that is in terms of the content, because so many people are just talking about Twitter and the drama surrounding it and the the guy who owns it now, which is just always unpleasant to see. And anytime his tweets pop up, it's always just a very unpleasant experience. But also, just like a lot of little things, suddenly things aren't working the way they're supposed to. Like suddenly there's some little quirks that you notice if you're like a big Twitter user. Um, You see a lot more bots and spam. My mentions are like full of more and more crypto spam than they've ever been. And it just feels like it's going to turn into like, I don't know, like reading a geo media website on your phone, like trying to read Kotaku on your phone (laughs) where it's just like Mm -hmm. so unpleasant then everybody just stops. And that makes me sad because there isn't really a place like it in a few ways. First of all, there isn't a place like it if you're a reporter and you want to get your work out there and you want to get info on your books or uh, break news or whatever else like it's really the number one place and there isn't really a, a, another replacement out there and despite the rise of like other social media websites that are popping up none of them have really been a, a viable replacement just yet um, 
but also it's it's just like uh, I have a lot of relationships on there that again I know you guys both have complicated relationships with the place, but like I keep in touch with a lot of people I met on Twitter. I'm like when I go to LA next week, I'm meeting up with some people who I met through Twitter. So I just find it very valuable, and it's always a shame to see just some rich jerk just buy a thing and just ruin it for a lot of people. Um, and it's too bad because I feel like if you polled most of America, they would probably say, no, one person should not be able to buy a company for 40, whatever billion dollars and just take it off the public, the, take it off the NASDAQ, take it off the stock market and just own it himself. But we allow that to happen because I guess everyone in inertia is a powerful force. Um, anyway, it's really a bummer and I'm really depressed about like how it's going to look in the coming months and years. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what to do about it. I'm just sad. I'm just sad. Yeah. Thank God we own this podcast and we'll never sell it to some rich asshole. (laughs) No way. No way. No, it's true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like hold on to all the relationships that I got from Twitter. Those are real and those still exist and Twitter dying won't make those not exist. And there's, there could well be something that replaces it. That's better. Like the platform does have problems and the way that Elon Musk is just unavoidable, both on the platform and in life, really reminds me of Trump. And the fact that Twitter, through its design, appears to most reward terrible dudes who just seem able to just command everyone's attention all the time makes me think maybe we could do better. There could be a better platform. And that wouldn't erase all of the benefits that came from Twitter, which I had as well. I met so many great people, including Jason Schreier, um, through Twitter. And I guess Maddie probably too. I mean, I, I, mean, maybe. I think we yeah, probably, probably were tweeting at each other before anything else. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a lot of good things came of Twitter and a lot of bad things. But I'm a little more hopeful that something better could replace it. It probably won't tomorrow. Yeah, it's probably not going to be Mastodon or whatever these current no, things it are out there. But will not. things change, things move in cycles. If he ruins this, Musk ruins the site. Something else will come up because that type, like a platform where everyone can communicate in that way, especially if it were better designed and not made to reward so much anger and that kind of engagement, could be really cool. And someone's going to figure it out. It just seems like there's a market for it, so someone will figure it out. I hope. I hope. Anyways, I appreciate your optimism. Yeah, I agree with Kirk for what it's worth. I I know that there's been a lot of doom and gloom and and especially writers I know are like, oh, all these other platforms like TikTok, they're all based on your face. I don't want to have to make videos of myself just to share my content or take pictures of myself like on Instagram. And I understand that. I love that Twitter is mostly text based. Like that is really what makes it different. Also a great thing about podcasts. Yes. Yes. Is that they're text based. You're right. And um, (laughs) I love writing down every single thing I say on here and memorizing those lines and then (laughs) saying them every week. It's a lot of work, but but it pays off. (laughs) But I think that 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 will remain. I think there is something to be said for just reading some words. And uh, people were worried about that. I don't know, every year for my entire well, yeah. life. Yeah, I mean, blogs have <laughs> always been a thing. People would stop liking like, to read, and they a keep A lot of reading. people, a lot of writers have moved back to Substack. I'm yeah. going to be using my Substack a little bit more often. And mm-hmm. I loved your, you sent out a Substack newsletter, Jason, that was just a link yeah, to your work. Yeah, let's, and let's I, get I, back into yeah, blog roles. Yeah, I might you do know? that. Let's do I might blogging. do that a little bit more often. But yeah. the problem is that you talk to anyone who's successful on Substack, and they're like, yeah, half of my subs, half of my, my new subscribers oh, from come from Twitter every yeah, week. Yeah, so. I know. So what it, what does that what does that say? I I think I think other social networks will emerge. I don't know if yeah. they're here yet, but I think yeah. it will happen. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, on that uh, optimistic note, I suppose, <laughs> let's yeah. call it. Everybody enjoy the Game Awards tonight, or if you're listening to this post-Game Awards, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you all next week. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hey Siri. Turn on recording. Hey Siri. Why can't Siri close the door? Turn on recording. That's yeah, a real question. Come on. Siri, close the door. Siri. If Siri got arms, that would be a problem. Siri, hey, Siri. developed developed some creepy. sort of physical. Yeah. This is funny because Kirk isn't isn't able to get Siri to do what he wants. She never will. She won't listen to me. He's shaking his head. Siri, put down the knife. Siri. <laughs> Siri. <laughs> Kirk, are you okay? <laughs> Switch my headphones. Just amateur hour over here. We already synced and I'm doing all this setup shit. Okay, cool. I am ready. Let's do it.